Welcome to the podcast of Ben Kruska, where every Wednesday there's a fresh word of faith and victory for your life. Now, here's Ben Kruska. Welcome to a new podcast. Today we're going to talk about keys to staying pure. If you're in a relationship or maybe you're single or maybe you're married, you're married and um, you're struggling with purity or maybe um, that's been a thing that you have questions about or you want to help others grow in these things, then today is the podcast to listen to. Uh, we're in a month at the church uh, where we're talking about relationships and marriage and all these different things. And um, I think this is a thing that even if you look at the world around us and the news, you know, everything happening from like an Epstein, Prince Andrew in Holland, we're seeing a lot of news come up too where people that are famous are like falling into a bunch of scandals and things like that. Um of course, that's the world, but sometimes, unfortunately, the church uh, has a hard time being different. Um, and I think we definitely should be different. And actually, when you, I believe that when you follow these five keys that I'm giving you today, it'll be easy to be different. It's not hard to stay pure. It's not hard to live pure. Um, but uh, you have to follow a few guidelines. So I'll run through a few of these uh, things today. Five keys today. So let's dive right in. We're going to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18 through 20. The, in the NLT, it says, run from sexual sin. So if you're taking notes, write down run. <laughs> run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a, is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Let's clearly define sexual sin or sexual immorality. Uh, the Bible clearly shows it's all sexual relationship outside of a biblical marriage between one man and one woman. Um, and the Bible tells us, run from it. Run from it. So my first key today is make a clear decision. If you're taking notes, write that down. Make a clear decision. Make a clear decision. If you don't decide up front what you want or what you're going to do or what your standard is, then when the temptation comes or the opportunity comes or the situation comes, you're going to fall and you're going to make a big mess. So you make you have to make a decision up front. I'm going to live pure. I'm going to live holy. I'm going to please the Lord. I'm going to run from all sex outside of marriage. I'm going to wait till I'm married. You have to make those decisions up front. You have to make a strong decision and a commitment almost to the Lord, a, a covenant with the Lord. Lord, I'm keeping myself. Lord, I'm going to live pure and holy by your word and by your grace and by your Holy Spirit. Um, you can totally do it. So um, for me, you know, my background before I, I gave my life to the Lord, I messed up in this area. But then when I gave my life to Christ, I immediately made the decision, I want to live pure. I don't want to mess up in this area. And I prayed, Lord, restore the innocence of my youth. Restore the innocence of my youth. And the Lord really did, even to the point that later in life, a year later, two years later, when people met me and, and heard a little bit of my testimony and found out, 
you know, that I hadn't been in church all my life, basically. Um, they were surprised. They thought it was like, been in church all my life and, and lived pure all my life. That's what God's grace can do. That's what the blood of Jesus can do. Even if your sins are like scarlet, he will wash you whiter than snow. But then also you have to stay in the light, you know. So it's not just like praying that and then going back and forth, back and forth, light and darkness, light and darkness. No, you have to make a decision. I'm going to walk in the light as he's in the light and his blood will cleanse me continually. You have to make a clear decision, a clear decision to walk in the innocence of your youth, a clear decision to stay pure, a clear decision to walk according to the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 9 it says, how can a young person stay pure? And it's not even just young people. It's everyone. How can a person stay pure? By obeying your word. In other words, not having you know the culture as your highest standard. Not having 21st century thinking as your standard. No, having biblical thinking as your standard. God's word is my standard. God's word is my plumb line. God's word is... is, is, is what I'm going to live by. And if God says something in his word, then I'm going to I'm going to do everything I can to live by that. And he will actually grace you for that. So you have to make a clear decision up front. Also make a clear decision to do what, you know, it said here in that first word of 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18, it says run. Run. Basically like Joseph. Joseph found himself as a slave in another country and sold into slavery, rejected by everyone, robbed from everything he owned. And, um, you know, being a slave is not nice, probably, you know. So he wasn't in a good position. And then he gets the opportunity to, between in quotes, you know, where a, a prominent lady says, come and sleep with me. What did he do? Did he sit there and think about it? Saying, kind of sounds nice. She's not that ugly. No, he wasn't thinking about any of that. He wasn't like lingering around the temptation. He wasn't lingering around the situation. What was he doing? He ran. <laughs> he didn't even he didn't even grab his coat on the way out. He ran as fast as he could. He ran out. Why? Because he had made a decision up front. I'm going to live pure. I'm not going to mess this up. And he said, "How can I dishonor my God and your husband in that way by doing that. How can I dishonor God? See, if you have the word of God in you, you have this fear of the Lord in you, the beginning of wisdom. And wisdom is doing things God's way. You know, beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So when you have the word in you, you'd be like, I'm not going to do that. I, 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 I fear God too much. I respect God too much. I honor God too much. I'm not going to mess up in my relationship with the Lord, number one. Number two, wisdom will show you that when you do run after these things and when you do jump into these things, that the fruit of it is no bueno. It's not good. Some people have only short-term perspective. They only do what they feel like right now. But the more of the word you get in you, the more eternal perspective you get. The more wisdom you get, the more you realize, if I do that now, I lose a bunch of things that are valuable to me. I can't do that. So don't, 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 don't be trapped. Make a clear decision. Don't put your standards so low that if you compromise a little bit, you've already slept with someone. Set your compromise so high 
that you're like innocent like a kid almost that's how high you have to have have your standards set your standards so high that when you compromise a little it's still not that bad and then you already feel convicted and you repent right away all right that's number one make a clear decision number two watch your gates watch your gates i'm talking about your ear gate and your eye gate what do you let into your heart jesus said in matthew 15 he said what defiles a man is not what you eat it's but it's what comes out of the heart what defiles a man what what how did how do things come into the heart it comes through the eye gate and it comes through the ear gate jesus said in matthew 6 verse 22 he said, your eye is like a lamp that provide, provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. Then he goes on, he says, if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be filled with darkness. In other words, pure eyes. Pure eyes. This might take some training for yourself, where you have to train your eyes not to wander, where you have to train your eyes not to look at certain things, where you have to maybe walk around with your eyes closed through the mall or whatever it is <laughs> in certain segments. You have to train yourself. You know, presenting your body holy as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service. What do you do with your body? What do you do with your eyes? See, you, your body is to be trained, to be trained and exercised unto godliness. You can't let your body dominate over you. You can't just let your eyes rule over you. Vision is so important because if you're if you're um, if you've ever driven a motorcycle, even happens in the car too, but in a motorcycle it's more prominent. Wherever you look, you turn your eyes to your head turns. That's where your whole the whole motorcycle starts following. So um, it's same with life. If you start looking at things, what you behold is what you become. If you're continually looking at things that are impure or that are compromised, before you know it, you're going to act upon it. Because whatever you sow into your heart is what you're going to produce out of your heart. Same with your ear gates. If you're continually listening to worldly music that is just bringing the suggestion all the time of like, oh, I like your body and I like this and that and... If you're pumping yourself full with that, it's no wonder that your mind is thinking about these things all the time. The, the other way, if you pump your ears full of the word, full of truth, full of godly things, what will happen? Whatever you sow is what you reap. Whatever you continually fill yourself with is what you're going to act upon. For me, like, and that's my third one, set clear boundaries. Set clear boundaries. Job said in Job 31, he said, I made a covenant with my eyes to not look lustfully or with desire on a young woman. He made a covenant. He set clear boundaries. You too, you might have to set some boundaries for your life where you say, I'm not going to look at that. Like for me, one of the things I don't, I, I check usually the parent's guide before I watch a movie. It's like, what's in this movie? Is this things that I don't want to see in there? Then I'm not going to watch it, no matter what the reviews are. I don't want to see it because I don't want to pump myself full with things that I'm not, I don't want to be full of. 
People say, well, that's just religious, you know, that's just legalistic. No, that's not. It's just I'm protecting myself because I've set my course. I want to finish my race with joy and I want to finish my race scandal free. And I want to finish my race with my wife next to me, with my kids serving the Lord and with a fruitful ministry and a fruitful life. And I know there's certain things that people do that can mess everything up in one day. So, okay, then I have to set clear boundaries in certain areas of my life. First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 5, verse 22, it says, Avoid the appearance of evil. Avoid the appearance of evil. In other words, if it looks evil, don't even be there. Stay away from something that looks like evil. In Dutch, we have a saying, to prevent is better than to heal. So preventing a situation is better than fixing a situation. So when you set clear boundaries for your life, you can probably even prevent getting into temptation. I don't, it's like, I, I can't remember a time that I've been in any type of situation where I was tempted to do anything. It's like, number one, I'm born again. Number two, I've set clear boundaries where I don't get in situations where it's like, man, I was really tempted there, but thank God I escaped. No, it's like you avoid those things. Like Billy Graham, that's of course in a very extreme example because he had a place of extreme influence. But what he would do is when he would like be traveling on the road, then um, he would book the whole floor of hotel rooms. Not just one hotel room, the whole floor. And he would stay by himself in one of the rooms. But his bodyguards or his security would go into the room first, check the whole room, check under the bed, then come out, stand outside the door and let him go in. And they would stay there all night until he came out in the morning. So that no one can even say, I was there and there in that hotel with this and this man and he did this and this to me. No one could say that because there's several witnesses that said, no. There's protocols and procedures in place that that was impossible to happen. Unless you climbed up to the 10th story through the window. <laughs> so avoiding the appearance of evil. Like for me as a pastor, I don't counsel women by myself. Why? Just to avoid the appearance of evil. I might not even be tempted at all. <laughs> but it's more like if somebody walks by, they might be able to say, hey, what is going on over there? I don't want that. That's the appearance of evil. Number two, somebody can say something. Number three, there's no one above temptation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, I think it's 10, it says, if any man stands, let him take heed lest he falls. So don't, you know, pride comes before the fall. If you think you're above temptation, you're not smart. So set boundaries in places where you know you could be tempted or you know that people could say something about you and prevent the whole thing. Number four, fourth key, how to stay pure, have strong, fiery surroundings. On fire surroundings. People surround themselves with friends that do all kinds of things that have totally different standards and morals than them. And they wonder why their behavior adapts to their surroundings. 
like, man, I used to be so on fire, but now I'm, I'm like, really, like, kind of in a backslidden state. I wonder how come. Uh, well, tell me, tell me your five closest friends. Tell me the people you hang around with every day. What are you watching? What are you listening to? What conversations are you around? What spiritual temperature are you around? You can either have the fire of temptation or the fire of the Holy Ghost. Somebody said, if I, or Proverbs said, if, if you take fire into your bosom, won't your clothes be set on fire? Talking about sexual relationships. If you're hanging around surroundings that, like even with Samson, is it Samson or Simpson? I'd never know. Because in Dutch it's one way, in English it's the other way. Uh, Samson, I think. Uh, but he he was a Nazarite from birth. You know, the angel told his parents he was going to be a Nazarite from birth and the Spirit of the Lord would be upon him. So meaning he was not allowed to touch any fruit of the of the vineyard. So no grapes, no raisins, no wine, no not even grape juice. But then right before he uh, sleeps with Delilah, guess where he's found? He's found in the Valley of Vineyards, if you translate it. The Valley of Grapes. What are you doing there, Samson? <laughs> You're not allowed to eat grapes. You're not allowed to drink wine. Why are you there? He's hanging around in a place of compromise. And one compromise led to another compromise, led to another compromise. And the end result, he lost his anointing. His eyes were plucked out, he lost his power, and he missed out on his calling. Thank God for God's grace who gave him a greater victory at the end of his life than all the ones before, but that was just the grace of God. That didn't have to be his story. He could have had a life of great impact, but through little compromises, the little foxes that spoil the vine, he was hanging around grapevines when he was not allowed to eat grapes, and then from there he fell into other sin. And it resulted in a loss of the anointing on his life. So have strong, fiery surroundings. When, when you notice, you, you're like, I don't really want to go to church anymore. I'm thinking about, you know, like finding another church that's not so radical. I'm going to sit a little bit more towards the back. I'm going to, I don't want to go to home group anymore. I want to just hang out with my friends from the world. I don't want to really read my Bible. Uh, praying, really? Praying in tongues, is that really necessary? When you start noticing these things, it's a sure sign. Something's off. You know, when you can't stand the heat of the fire of the Holy Spirit, you better make some adjustments. You better get on fire. You better not let those things rob you from your destiny. Because it's a sign you be, you're growing colder. To the things of God and probably there's some wet blankets around so have fiery surroundings last one number five is spend time in prayer Jesus said in Matthew 26 verse 41 he said watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak watch and pray so you will not give in to temptation build your spirit strengthen your spirit by prayer 
so that you do not give in to temptation. In every temptation, there's a way of escape. If you start praying in tongues when you feel tempted, the temptation runs. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. The, the reason many people struggle is because the flesh is dominating and the spirit is weak. Yield to your spirit. Starve the flesh. If this is a, a struggle in your life, maybe with pornography, maybe with thoughts or whatever, do a 10-day fast and see what happens. Break the neck of this thing, fasting and prayer. But then uh, another reason why, why prayer is because of intimacy. Many people fall into sexual sin or relationships because of a desire for intimacy, feelings of loneliness. And I think they're, they're like, going to fill that void with someone else. A person can't fill that inner void. They're not going to give you what only God can give you. Spend time in intimacy with the Lord, worshiping Him. Let Him satisfy you. Let Him make you whole on the inside, filling your cup to overflowing. Make a habit out of that. Make that your lifestyle. Put Christ number one. And all the other things will fade away. And then actually you'll be prepared for a marriage that is very satisfying and very fulfilling as well. Put Jesus number one. Intimacy with him. He will satisfy you. He will fulfill you. He will fill that inner feeling inside of you that might be saying I'm, I'm all alone I'm, I, need, I need love or whatever let him fill that void he can more than all the other stuff all the other stuff sin is pleasurable for a season but afterwards those who sow to their flesh reap out of the flesh corruption the end of it stings it bites like a it stings like a scorpion it bites like a snake puts poison in you but who sows to the Spirit reaps eternal life, life in abundance, satisfied with the fatness of his house. Let today encourage you to spend time with him, drawing near to him. And many times there's that like guilt and condemnation and shame. Bring it into the light today. Let the Lord wash it away. If any man sins, if he repents of his sin, and he asks the Lord to forgive him, the Lord is gracious to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, washing you clean so that you can boldly come before him, boldly worship him, boldly receive from him. Don't let condemnation keep you away from the presence of God any longer. Draw near like a child, receive forgiveness, let the blood wash you and then receive that righteousness so you can stand again in his presence and have fellowship with him and let him satisfy the inner longings of your soul. God bless you today. Praying for you. You are more than an overcomer. You are not to be overcome. You're an overcomer. And you will live pure. And you're going to have a great testimony of a fulfilled marriage, pure before marriage, and walking in the fullness of what God has for you. God bless you. See you next week. Thanks for listening to today's message. To be notified of new episodes, just hit the subscribe button. And to connect with Ben on social media, you can find him at Ben Kruska on Instagram and Facebook. See you next week.